Hey, New River Church family. This December, join us for a special Advent series on the New River Church podcast, where we're diving into the season with the message of Jesus, bringing hope, love, joy, and peace. For more info, check out newriverchurch.org. Let's celebrate the season and share the gospel together. This whole month, uh, you know, we've been talking about joy and uh, as it relates to Christmas. And today, I feel like God just wants us to get down to brass tacks and answer two basic questions. And the first is, who is this Jesus in the manger? And the second is, and why does he bring so much joy? The task before us is really big, if you think about it. How do you find human language to, um, to, you know, to even come close to helping us understand what it means that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us? I don't even know how to, you know, I can say the words, you can say the words, but understanding them, you know what I mean? Having those words actually resonate in my heart like that's a whole different level that's the challenge before us so would you pray with me before we get too deep into it um jesus um i just want to confess that that i have created a lot of clutter around christmas whether it's the gifts or the just the family time which is all sweet or the tree or the fun or the parties or the cookies or whatever, Lord, it's all, I, none of it's like bad, but at the same time, God, it also can be a distraction. And I just pray, Lord, today that Jesus, you would emerge out of that clutter and be magnified in these words. And that, Lord, we would see you maybe some of us like for the very first time, and some of us like we've not ever seen you before. So Holy Spirit, take these words, I pray, and do something with them, would you? And I ask this in Jesus' holy name, amen. I don't have a single text for you to turn to today because we'll be referencing like 40 of them, but I promise we'll go through them quickly But honestly, can you think about it? Can anybody really like fully know what happened that night in Bethlehem stable 2,000 years ago? I mean, all we've ever known is life from this side of eternity's shore. Like the best you and I can do is kind of grasp for words to try and describe the distance that God traveled when he left heaven's throne descended down heaven's stairway and entered Bethlehem's manger. Words fall short to explain how the one who holds the heavens in his hand could squeeze himself into a human frame and be held in the trembling hands of a teenage mother guarded under the watchful eye of a peasant carpenter. The Bible says there is no other name 
under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name. Now, at face value, what that tells us is this. There's nobody like Jesus. He stands in a league all his own. He shares the stage with no one. The spotlight of history is fixed on him and him alone. He is above it all. He's beyond it all. He's behind it all. That's what the Bible says. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Four times it tells us all things. You see that? So how many things are under Christ's control? How many things does Jesus hold? All things. All things. The one who holds all things was himself held. How can that be? How could I possibly find a word to explain this? Human language falls short. Artistic expression falls flat. Human arguments fall apart in the face of someone so great. The Bible tells us that he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He made himself nothing. You see that? Let's just think for a second. He's the original source. Like he's the fountainhead of life. He himself is the only eternal one who always has been. He alone is the uncreated one. There's no source for him. There's no cause for God. Like there's no explanation for how he came to be. He has always been. And he's always been perfect. Perfect integrity. The very epitome of what it means to be complete in and of himself. The only thing that God has never been is nothing until Christmas. So out of love for you and in pursuit of you, he made himself nothing. And it tells us that he humbled himself to become a man. Can we even begin to understand this? It's like we think that we are hot stuff. We posture and we maneuver, we jockey and we position ourselves into our little earthly pecking order. We put one group of people on a pedestal and other people we pity. The cameras are focused over on these people and nobody cares about those people. But the Bible tells us that God had to, that regardless of what position you hold on mankind's totem pole, God had to humble himself to become one of us. The greatest among us is a finite peon compared to him. And God stooped an immeasurable distance to join our ranks. Greater than the greatest that humanity can put forth. He's better than the best that anyone has ever adored. He's richer than the richest that has ever known. The owner of everything humbled himself 
to become nothing. He emptied himself to have nothing. Yet he's the pearl of paradise. He's the priceless treasure. He's the perfection of beauty. He's the prize of the ages. Can we appreciate the distance that God traveled down and down and down to condescend and to walk among us? I mean, on the first page of your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, we're told that at one point far, far back in a time before there was time, back there, there was nothing. Until in the flash of a moment, God spoke and everything came to be. Scientists like to call it a bang. The Bible calls it a word, God's word. He said, let there be, and it was. God's word is that powerful. Like his words, they do things, you know? God's word becomes worlds. It's crazy. And this word of God that can create everything out of nothing, it became flesh and made his dwelling among us, the gospel of John says. And when the angel told Mary that she would be with child, she submitted herself to the will of God and she said, may it be to me as you have said, said. So again, God spoke a word. He said something, and it became something. But this time, it was God himself who became a baby. So do you see it? Christmas is the new creation. Jesus is, Jesus is coming. It marks a whole new era. Like at the dawn of life, back in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke, and he formed the first Adam, who then sinned, and he brought all of creation down with him. And then here in Mary's womb, God spoke again and brought about a new creation with a second Adam. And his name is Jesus. And he would be the savior of the world because he would reverse the curse that Adam's sin had brought upon it. The apostle John catches this and he just breathlessly proclaimed we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth we saw him could it be that the one in the manger is the very word of God spoken as a little human let there be and there he was in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger, adored by shepherds, sung by angels, nursed by peasants. No wonder the angel, speaking to the shepherds on Christmas night, could sing, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, he is the Messiah, the Lord. So who is this Jesus? Well, he's Messiah. But he's more than that. He's Lord. But he's more than that too, isn't he? He's king. 
king doesn't quite cover everything either. He's sovereign. Yeah, but that doesn't really cover it all either. He's creator of all things. He's fill in the blank. Any word that we come up with falls short to define this definable, this undefinable one. He's greater than we can imagine. He's life itself. We cannot even, we cannot outlive him and we cannot live without him. I like what the old preacher S.M. Lockeridge said. This is a kind of a famous sermon that he gave many years ago, but he said this so eloquently. He said, Jesus is the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's awesome. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the superlative of everything good that we choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. He goes on to say, he's the key to knowledge, the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway of deliverance, the pathway of peace, the roadway of righteousness, the highway of holiness, the gateway of glory. That's what he says. I wonder, Pastor Lockhart said, do you know him? He is wonder and majesty wrapped up in humanity. He is perfect humility. He's touchable glory. He's measurable infinity. He blows minds, defies imaginations, baffles explanations. He confounds the wise, but he's known by children. I cannot understand him, but I can know him. He is God robed in skin so that we can touch him, so that we can hear him, we can see him, we can hold him, we can reject him, we can nail him to a cross. I wish I could describe him, but thankfully, I can do one better. I can give us what the Bible says about him. You ready? He is appointed heir of all things, the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of his being. He is the gate for the sheep, the great shepherd of our souls, who lays down his life for his sheep. He is the bread of life, the light of the world, the king of kings the desire of the nations, the joy of longing hearts, the one who comes from above. He is the promise giver and the promise keeper. He is the holy seed, the stump of Jesse, the root of David, the lion of Judah, the bright morning star, the reigning savior, the coming king, the faithful witness. He is the God of heaven's armies, the wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He's the banner for the nations and the government rests 
on his shoulders. He is the Alpha and Omega, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. He's the great majesty. He's the true God and eternal life. He's the promised prophet like Moses. He's the holy seed of the woman who crushes Satan's head. He's the friend of sinners. He's the lamb without blemish or defect who takes away the sin of the world. That's who he is. <laughs> he's everything you ever wanted. And yet he's nothing like you could have imagined. He's better than the best thought you've ever had of him. Who is this Jesus? And why does he bring so much joy? One this great, one who defies human logic this much, he's either too good to be true or he's so true that he's really this good. He is omnipotence who had to work for a living. <laughs> he's omniscience who had to go to school. He's omnipresence who had to walk from this place to that place. <laughs> Yet he's so powerful, he's so brilliant, he's so transcendent, he's so powerful that foaming waters couldn't drown him, he walked on them. And he's so brilliant that he confounded anyone who tried to trap him with trick questions. And he's so transcendent that when they tried to throw him off a cliff once, he walked right through the angry mob unharmed. See, raging storms can't stop him. He calms them with his words. Conspiring nations, they don't threaten him. He laughs at their plans. The schemes of evil men cannot touch him. His purposes continue to stand. His will is perfectly accomplished. The manger couldn't hold him. Pharisees couldn't trap him. Death doesn't scare him. The grave couldn't keep him. Tomorrow doesn't worry him. Today doesn't rattle him. He is unshakable. If you put your trust in him, he will become your song in the night and your joy in the morning. He truly is the one that you have been looking for. The Bible says that whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. What a marvelous promise. I wonder, do you trust him? Do you know him? You ask, but why does he bring so much joy? I say, well, why not? Think about who he is and what he's done. He's the hope of glory. The old has gone, all things have become new. All oppressions will cease. God has arisen. His enemies are scattered. We now have access by a new and living way. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God with man is now residing, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. Grace and peace is multiplied. He, is, he has expelled the spirit of fear and given us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Through him, we can escape the corruption in the world, and we now approach the throne of grace with confidence. We have anchored ourselves to the living hope 
Those who once were last are now first. Those who once were least are now the greatest. And anyone, anyone can come to the feast and buy wine and milk without money, without cost. You who bring good news to Zion, he says, go up on a high mountain. Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up and be not afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. There he is. That's why he brings joy. Joy to you and joy to you and joy to all who find him. To be right with God is a gift that you just cannot find anywhere else in the world. The prophet Isaiah 55, 6 through 7, gives us our invitation this morning. Would you receive this invitation? This is coming from the heart of God. He says to you, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. Do you hear that? God will have mercy on you. He doesn't care where you're coming from. He will have mercy on you and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Freely pardon. There's not a better gift that you could receive than to have your sins forgiven by God and to begin a friendship with him through Jesus Christ. It's way better than anything you'll get at Macy's. Way better. To know that everything is right. Everything is right between you and the God of the universe. So who is this Jesus? Well, he's the savior of the world. He's God who's come in the flesh because, because he loved you and he didn't want to be estranged from you any longer. He came to you because he loves you. And why does that bring joy? I guess all I can do is encourage you to place your trust in him and find out for yourself. I can tell you that there's nothing that compares with knowing that my whole life is right with God. Like when that's right, then everything else can fall into place and be made right. But until that's right, then everything else is going to be wonky. I mean, I might get this going good, but then this over here is going to be wonky. And then I might get this going good, but then that over there is going to be wonky. It's, you're always playing catch up. And I'm saying to you this morning, get it right with God and then let him begin to sort the rest of it out. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why he brings joy. Because the joy comes in knowing that, well, it's not hopeless. There's a solution. 
And guess what? I'm loved the whole way through it. Could there be anything better than that? I can't think of anything better than to know that the God of the universe and I are friends. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message blesses you. For those interested in learning more about us, please visit us at newriverchurch.org. Thanks, and have a great week. Thank you.